0: Welcome to DevSecOps, uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, Docker image and building. Uh, but first, hello guys, and how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Fine, fine as well.
1: Andre? Hello, hello. Life is good.
0: Life is good. So since the last time, uh,
2: what have you been uh, learning? Uh, Julian, do you want to start? Yeah, I'm I'm way over my head with uh, machine learning operation. It's uh I think it's a topic for another day because the 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 problem is like software engineering plus everything machine learning plus everything infrastructure. So I can talk about that a lot but yeah, cool. for another, another time maybe. Yeah.
0: Andre, what have you been up to?
1: Uh, this week was mostly about saving money on AWS. I've been trying to wrap my head around, uh, saving plans and what is the difference with, uh, reserved instances and what makes sense for the current situation and what doesn't. So I think I, I managed. Well, and, uh, also a quick tip for people who are using T3 family. It's like the general purpose yeah. in IWS. But it's actually the C3A, which is ten percent cheaper. Not many people know about that. And it works as a uh, just you know, swapping replacement. No changes cool. whatsoever. Just change the just change the instance family, and you start saving. But right, So wow, that's, that's quick a quick win. win.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been struggling with the uh, Kibana dashboards. Uh, I have a lot of data, I need to have them visualize uh, a little bit better than I was in the beginning of the week, but not fully done. Okay, so the topic is uh Docker containers and building, right?
1: How hard it is to build a Docker how container. Hard. How, yeah. hard, how hard could it be?
0: Yeah. So we wanna start how 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 do you wanna start? Focusing on the builder containers. Right?
1: What does it mean? Yeah, I actually thought about this topic first because there is a problem with that. I mean, when you're building it locally, just Docker build, right? Yeah. But we don't really do the production builds on local machines. So your Docker specs, they have to go through CI and then building in CI, especially nowadays when, all builds happening in the containers already, so you need to build container inside container. Yes, that might pose a challenge, and uh, there are a couple of ways you can b- go about that. One of the ways is to set up a remote Docker engine, and then configure okay. your container to call that Docker engine, or maybe have uh, Docker socket mounted into your container so you can communicate with uh, Docker engine. Yeah. running on your host where you run the container. But for instance, you do Fargate on AWS, yeah. so those ephemeral containers. And having this additional Docker engine running somewhere, it's unreliable. Well, you can make it reliable, but it's additional effort. And there are actually a couple of projects that trying to make uh, building Docker containers in user space possible. So you don't uh, need to have remote Docker engine. Yeah. And, uh, there are a couple of them. I, today, something I choose is called IMG by Genie Tools. I will post a link to the yeah. show notes at DFC FM. And that one does the job. It doesn't support all the latest features the build kit gives you. For instance, like passing secrets. Because passing SSH agent and stuff like that. But for general container builds, it actually works. And uh, you only need to have a privileged container at the moment. And it might be so that it will go away as well. But uh, how do people do that in the Kubernetes world? Have you you ever faced a problem?
2: Um, So I would say, I. Building locally is always a challenge because you it might rely on some, uh, I would say, some dependency that you don't really see in a CI. So, if you do both in CI and on your on your development machine, it might you might see discrepancies. And so, basically, since with Kubernetes CI/CD is a prerequisite, so if you don't have uh, CI/CD for Kubernetes, it's I would say it's a bit painful. Um, the idea is really... Well, I have a fun story about those uh, user space uh, container builder. So yeah. one project uses Docker, the other one uses Builder. And so I build one with uh, Docker, and I build the other with Builder. The problem is when I do Docker image, the Builder one doesn't show up. When I do Builder image, the Docker one doesn't show up in the list and so you end up having two completely different ecosystem of tools and just imagine the the amount of friction that you can reach with those those discrepancies so i would say whatever you choose just stay consistent pick one stick with it and then make it work so for the rest is more like about workflow and practice
0: so the problem you're saying is, and it's what you have. I mean, when you build it on your local machine, it's okay to, to, to let the Docker have admin access to, to every every resource that it can build. But when you build it in uh, Kubernetes, uh, it's a little bit more dangerous to give uh, the build full access to the Docker socket because it will also see every images and every Docker running on your on your node. Uh, so, so this is the dangerous part here, and you can do two two ways here. You can have one of those build containers, you build in user space, uh, or you have to mount and and give them access. And I do that, but I set up uh, different nodes that are only used for builds, right? So I only have the builds and they they can stay scale. And then they also can can you can give them access, but since Docker nineteen. 04 or something TLS is now uh, by default, so it gets a little bit trickier to connect them because you need to pass certificates and stuff also to, to your nodes. But
2: uh, yeah, and uh, I think, I think that's, that uh, work can be easily put into making a CI pipeline more reliable, and yeah. uh, you know having a like every time you commit there is an image images that gets pulled. Yeah and that brings of course to how you build in those uh multi-stage build containers that we yeah. that you can use but maybe Andre can tell, talk to us a little bit more about multi-stage build. Yeah. Yeah, uh, can
1: before before going that route I I wanted to also mention the project called Kaniko through K. Yes, and, I know that. And uh, I gonna gonna say it so we add it to the to the show notes later. Yeah. That one seems to be used by people to build inside Kubernetes as like, Kubernetes native, if you say. Not sure if you will be able to run it outside. I, I looked into that, but, um, yeah, I ended up not using it. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. Because we're building on Fargate, not inside Kubernetes, but I think Jenkins X is using that for building on Kubernetes. And there is uh, quite a movement right now in CD space to do CI, CD pipelines in Kubernetes. I have a quite a mixed feeling about that. I'm not really sure that's the right way, but we're going to see. Maybe I'm missing something. But well, yeah. well, here
0: is the dangerous part. As I said before, Juren, you have two different ways of building. You have like Kaniko in your pipeline, and then you build locally Docker when you develop yeah so and i uh, and I had problem. I built something like locally and building docker and we we go for the mantra it, it builds it always builds and then you commit it to to your pipeline and start building in Kaniko and then it fails
1: yeah, I think uh, most of those tools they use docker build kit yeah uh, and under the carpet and uh, then it's pretty much the same because docker is also using docker build kit. there might be some discrepancies, but I haven't seen, at least with image, it was quite reliable. Yeah. There are, as I said, a couple of features we are missing. We, we, we have to live yeah. without them. We are working yeah. them around using something else, but yeah. And the multi-stage yeah. build that uh, Julian mentioned is a great feature in Docker, and I think was uh, close to the game-changer side. Yeah, uh, I saw a lot of people, for instance, in JavaScript world, what they would do is they would package the JavaScript application they have outside of Docker and then just copy it to when they're building Docker container. And uh, <clears throat> also, I saw people compiling stuff outside and then copying it. And that meant you have to have your build environment set up outside of Docker. You have to manage the copying of artifacts. So it's a lot of moving pieces. And yes. with multi-stage build, what you could do is you could use first container to have your build environment in, and that way your Docker build process encapsulates everything. So you build everything in the first container, and then you say from another container that might be just Alpine image, you don't have any dependencies that you installed for the building, so you just drop them with a the previous stage, and you copy only the build artifacts you produced during the first stage. Into the next one. Or what you yeah. could do is like, if you want to copy something from another Docker image, right? And this is like a way of tools distribution. You could also use that as a stage and then just mm-hmm. copy things around and then accumulate them in the final image that you can do a very lean, having yeah. like no, no unnecessary dependencies, no build stuff, not, nothing, only your artifact and the things it needs, making that more secure. So I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's a great thing that to keep in mind, and if you're not using the multi-stage build today, you definitely should. So
0: yeah, uh, I've seen it's mostly in uh, in Go language when they compile the, the Go artifacts in the first stage, and then you take a raw image with, with no, no dependency and just add the binary to it. I,
1: I know a couple lots of uh, programming languages when you do compile and linking.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, multi-stage is is a is a great way of splitting up your builds from building and, and, and adding your artifact and then having a small image to, to production. And you don't need
1: all that building tools yeah. in production. Another thing is that uh, what people are having problems when they build is the way to pass secrets and yeah. uh, pull dependencies. So for instance, you might have some private Maven repository and you need to authorize yourself to go the going there, right? Yeah. You might have some other dependencies. Or like, for instance, when you, when you're building Go and you're pulling from the, from the private repository, you need to have an ability to do that. So you need to authenticate yeah. somehow to that repository. And, uh, then you need to have a secret that would allow you accessing it. And the nice yeah. thing is with this multi-stage is that you can say, fine, I pass the secret to the first stage because I'm going to drop it. Yeah, and it will not. I'm actually not sure if it will drop the history. Will you see the first image in the Docker inspect? If you inspect the image, will will you see the previous one that you I dropped?
2: I it, it should not because it's two separate container. Yeah. You, you don't carry the like the multi-stage build is. It's almost a templating uh, right. for for building two separate container and passing artifact from one to the other. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's one thing that you could do.
1: And then, but you still need to do a Docker inspect on your image to see all the layers and make sure that nothing is uh, forgotten. Another approach that people use is to use temporary credentials. So for instance, you just make the credentials that are valid for 30 minutes. You pass it to container. If, even if they stay there, it's not a biggie. They expire as soon as the container goes yeah. out your pipeline or you, uh, or you revoke those credentials when you've done building the container. That's also acceptable practice. And the build kit started to allow lately to pass certain credentials. Like for instance, as a stage agent, I think you can pass, which is super nice for like pulling from the uh, private GitHub repository. So it solves the problem. It's good that they here, the community there. And I think they have, I think they have now the way to put like a secret strings, so that they know they're secret. They don't need to show them. And then you can pass like AWS credentials, vault tokens and other stuff.
0: Yeah. But yeah. How, how do you pass your secret in during doing build, right? Do you add them like arguments just in the build command or in the pipeline. You don't mount in the into the image or anything like that, right? Just add them like environment settings, and then they yeah, can Yeah, that's the thing that the you cannot yeah.
1: mount stuff. You can mount stuff yeah. during the runtime, but in no. the build time there is no such thing. So, and historically yeah. you can only pass that as a build arguments, as you said,
0: yeah.
1: or like setting up environment variables through the arguments yes. that you could do. But now the build kit has uh, options to pass it and uh, to pass additional okay, secrets. Cool.
0: Yeah, I see that just added a file with a secret during build time because you can add it as a file and then pick it up and read. But I mean, adding them in, in arguments probably is the best. And so what about? They disappear.
2: Yeah. What, what about uh, passing secret as an environmental variable? Because that might be a security leak as well. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and, but you can't pass them uh, during build, it's only at run you can pass environment. So you have to add them like like arguments, but yes.
1: Yeah, so the build kit now has a dash dash secret flag. Oh, okay, that allows you to pass a secret, and it says the new dash dash secret flag for Docker build allows user to pass secret information to be used in the Docker file for building Docker images in a safe way that will yeah. not end up stored in the final image.
0: Ah. Uh-huh. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Well, uh, uh, another problem when we talk about security is like, how do you keep your images up to date? Do, do you specify or do you go for Ubuntu latest or?
2: Um, huh. The the thing is that you you have to, you can either just leave it there and it will rot or you can yeah. just continuously uh, check for... So there's different... Uh, way. What do you mean by updating the images? Do you mean the base image? Do you mean the the application image, the build that you use if you use multi-stage build? Which, yeah. which update you I think you have need?
0: to go f- from, from, the, from the source. I mean, you need to pull the latest uh, Ubuntu image you're not sitting on some uh, Ubuntu that you pulled uh, two years ago, you need you need to update the, the source image and then you need to add your dependencies. And then uh, if you have a multi-step, you probably have one with dependencies like in Java, and then you probably have your application uh, running in, in the end. I have
1: a solution for you, Matthias. Yeah. So it's a base image called Scratch. That one doesn't require updates because nothing changes in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Scratch.
0: But then you have to add a lot of stuff to it as well.
1: Yeah, i just kidding. Yeah. I mean, like, if yeah. you do, like, Golang, probably you can run with Scratch yeah. and some SSL s- yeah. certificates in there. But, yeah, it's not really a working solution for most of the cases.
2: There is also this project called Distroless. Yeah. Have you heard of it? I have. Uh... So, basically, it's a, a slimmed down image that where you don't have all the fluff of the operating system so basically yes. you don't do from Ubuntu when you start your docker file. you but you can use Ubuntu for the build step, not for the production container so you have, if you have a multi-stage build your first build yeah. will be from Ubuntu latest, whatever yeah. and then once you build your artifact, you do from um, distroless and then you copy from the previous uh, yeah. built container and there you Kind of assure that the, it's a very slim down. So, first of all, you are going to save a lot in storage for all the artifact that you that you push. So, you are less worried about rebuilding the container at every git commit or any everything. Second of all, it's it's a, a compromise because at this point, if you need extra tooling for, let's say, monitoring or like um, I I may be thinking about. It, you know, there is a concept of sidecar, so yeah. you don't really need to build everything into the application. You can also have surrounding application, and in Kubernetes we call that a pod, and that pod is actually a unit of deploy. Yeah. So you can specify more than one container and have them run together. You, the the concept of pod it means that the containers share the network and and the resources. So they can talk to each other uh, very, I mean, they're on the same host, basically. Yeah. That's what it is.
0: Yeah.
2: And so the, there is this other project that I, I use. If you cannot, if you don't know, if, if it's too much work to build from a clean distro list, there's this project called Docker Slim. And it really trimmed down everything that's not related to, yeah. to your application. Uh, I will put, put that in the, the description on the devsecops.fm uh, Fm.
0: Well, this, also, this is also nice because this uh, works together, but what you said before, with multistage, right? It's a good practice to have the multistage first, that you build the artifact, and then have another slim one for it to run in production. And this also helps you with keeping the uh, the images updated you can have one that only builds, and the other one
1: that's running production is really then just uh, the updated one that you really need to check. Yeah, that's uh, bring us to the question of the right order because oh. the Docker allows you to cache stuff, and uh, yeah. if you structure your build process right, then you need to rebuild very little. So, for instance, exactly as you said, Matthias, if you're using yeah. a multi-stage. You could update your build environment, but that might be not need to be updated that often. And then yeah. your resulting build image, that's what you're going to use. I would have it as a base image I build myself, right? So not necessarily from scratch and then importing the kernel and rootFS. No, but for instance, taking the Alpine, right? And then uh, securing that. So making sure like there is no root, there is no nothing, where all updates are in place. And then rebuilding that one often, Maybe like daily making sure that we are pulling all the updates. And then I can safely use that one as a base image because I know that it was already trimmed down, it was secured, and I just need to put the application on top. So next time I rebuild the application, I just take the latest and put the application on top and it's ready to go. So the problem is it's more like a life cycle. So, for instance, I might have applications that doesn't change that often, nice. and I build it once, I deploy it half years later, it's the same image. It wasn't updated. And yeah. we don't do Ansible to you know go in there and run up, update. It just doesn't make any sense, right? So this is not how we do it. So what you need to have is an automation to make sure that you build your Docker image not only on a source code change, but yes. also on a schedule, like every yeah. second day or whatever, making sure you're producing the new image all the time yeah. and also have automation for your, for your deployment to pull yeah. in the latest images once yeah. in a while. So for instance, That's if you're it. rotating your clusters, that will happen naturally. So if yeah. you have the Kubernetes policy, uh, all this pull, then every time the port being rescheduled, it will try to pull the new image, and it happens so that every day you have a new image. In yeah. that sense, you have your patching policy fully automated. You have nothing to worry about, and yeah. uh, there is a breach. You say like, "Oh, fine, it's gonna happen next day. If I need to expedite it, I just kick off the rebuild, and then they kill the node, and voila, I'm patched." Yeah.
0: This is uh, this is a really nice uh, approach to how how you should do it. Uh, but it's also interesting b- before in the old days as I said with Ansible you have your Apache server and it, it was updated by the ops team and then you had the application that you added on the Apache server. I'm just using it for reference now. But today they're bundled. So you actually need to have that uh you know trigger builds on not just said the application but also on, on services running your application. Yeah. And and I mean most Vulnerabilities that come out today should be on, on the service, like on the web service, of things that you use. And, uh, no. You should have that automated run. Nowadays,
1: Kubernetes is your patch server. Or J-boss, uh, I
0: would have yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have them running inside. There's probably a couple that have JBoss running inside of Kubernetes, right? So yeah it's, it's it's a good practice but now you're getting a lot of uh, containers right you, you build them every day and you patch them and you deploy them to keep them updated but naming how should you name your containers so you know how old is this container because you don't want to have a container running
1: in the cluster that then let's say 90 days that's uh, keep, keep it keep um, that on the on the stack Matthias. keep it hold it there is an important thing to mention that uh, yeah. Docker Hub wants to make money. Surprise, surprise, wow. the company that wants to make money. But uh, they're actually changing their retention policy. If you haven't heard, be wow. aware that uh, soon enough, I think it's November 1st. I might be wrong. You have to Google yeah. that. They're going to set the retention policy for public repositories on Docker Hub for six months. And they will start to delete stuff that haven't been updated for more than six months. So keep that in mind and you will have to pay to keep your stuff in there or push often. If you do stuff yeah. like as we described right now, you're probably not, that's probably not a problem for you. No, no, but, uh, what I'm afraid is that that's going to be a last nail in the coffin of the Docker Hub signs. Yeah. Just a yeah. couple of days after that, GitHub said, well, you know, you can host the Docker, Docker images at GitHub packages for free. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, we can do that, sure. Really? <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you need
0: that, like, what I'm missing is you need your own CI tool here. I mean, Docker had it so you can build Docker from GitHub. If you just get that tool so you, they can be built
1: as well on GitHub and then image. I mean, oh, but GitHub it's... provides you like the registry, the, the place to push your images. Yeah. So you're saying like you have a lot of images, you need them, yeah. you need to store them somewhere. Yeah. And that's, it's just a, um, it's a question of options that uh, storage provides you. And yeah. at the moment, Docker Hub doesn't provide you many. It's just a storage. And if GitHub would say like they will do a, Security checks on your images, like vulnerability scanning.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, they're going to win. Like, you have Quay from Red Hat. At, uh, Quai. Yeah, That's another option, and it's all free. So And that's mostly concerns the open source projects, the public projects. So yes. and, uh, if you're a company, you most probably already have your internal registry, like AWS ESR, or ECR, yeah. or Harbor, or what have you, like r- yeah. running internally. Nexus. Yeah. Now we can get back to naming.
0: Naming. I mean, this is, I've seen a lot of different names for for containers running in Kubernetes. And as I said before, a key player is like, I want to know like, uh, where did the container come from? Like where's the code coming from? And then, as I said before, I don't want to have container running uh, for a long time. So, so how do you name your containers? I know Julian you are,
1: you're an expert there we have a, episode 6
2: for yeah <laughs> all of us I, I can tell <laughs> <laughs> um, well the, the naming convention is basically what do you want to see in attack because latest might not be yeah. true, you know, like you can have latest running but if you haven't pulled since another one has been built your latest okay. is not the latest. So the, there is, um, for, for the application, I mean, not for the build or anything. It means when you deploy, it, how should you tag your your application uh, container? Yeah. And the, the simplest solution I find is just to put the reverse date followed by the Git of the code that it was built from. So you you have a lot of information there, and just by looking at the tag, you you can you know exactly where it came from, and that's a little tip that uh, actually, especially if you debug an application and or an application crash, and you don't know uh, like uh, which one. How many times I've seen like people debugging the wrong thing, the wrong yeah. code, just by because the, the the code in the container was not the code in the CI because something happened. Uh, the code in the in the repository because something happened and so yeah yeah little tip for you uh, if you're listening just re- reverse date plus the git of the code it was built from that yeah. is gonna save you hours of headache yeah
1: reverse date is important for sorting so here month day not day yeah. month here different countries has different sta- standards but this one good for sorting
2: exactly. Yeah
1: and maybe add like a minute seconds because you might do a couple of builds a day right so you might produce but you will have a different shaft so it's up to you to tweak it or like use a unix date but then it's a little bit harder to read you will have to choose your poison yeah
2: yeah i would also put the hours and minutes because um at least it tells you a bit about when it was built (laughs) and uh, if you see some build in the middle of the night uh yeah that get pushed and suddenly it breaks, you, you know that maybe people should get more sleep. Yeah. So and It's also nice to have the date
0: because it could be just simply to uh, show all the pods and then uh, order them by date in, in your cluster and then highlight the one that is, that is old, more or less.
2: Yeah, Which exactly. Is
0: to do, yeah?
2: So it's a quite, quite neat trick. when the, I think that's the kind of thing you learn the hard way yeah, but you, know, like you don't really see the purpose until you're you're in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: think especially with using latest, you have an application running in, in Kubernetes. It's not working. It's like, what's the problem? You try to run it locally, and you go latest, and you get another version that's not in the cluster. And you you feel with that like, well, it's working on my machine. Why it's not working? And after yeah,
1: a while, yeah, you're yeah. Like, actually. Like, Brings me something I wanted to mention. So, sorry for interrupting. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an interruptor. In yeah. So, so what I wanted to say is using your, when you're doing from, right, from your base image, yeah. you want to specify versions there as well, because you don't want to get surprises, something coming your way and you don't expect. And what's yeah. also helpful there is you can argue with this. But, like if you follow that to the letter, then you would your base image that you build for your application, you also version that one, and then you could produce a commit every time you have a new base image, like for instance, weekly, right? And then that yeah. change is also being recorded in the repository, making you rebuild exactly the version you build. Yeah, it might be a little bit extreme for some people. So because I say like then we're getting like a lot of commits with uh, like no changes done by humans, but you also record the history of the changes, right? So you have ability to rebuild every image exactly as it's yeah. been done. So I would argue because that will also give you additional trigger. You don't need to set up like a schedule to rebuild your application image because you know that there will be automated commit coming in, updating yeah. the version of the base image that contains the application with the latest one. Uh, that will trigger the build. So everything goes through the same pipeline. You don't need to have an additional trigger. Yeah. This is something that I think
0: I we, we actually had this so problem before. Mention- I think it was that we used like from Ubuntu not specified version. And they bumped it from 18 to, to 20. And the Python package changed. So instead of installing Python-pip, uh, dash is Python-free-pip or something like that. It, it changed meaning everything, of course, failed. The whole build pipeline is crashed, and you need to go in and fix it. If you specify the version, it's a LTS, so 18 is, is still fine. You can keep that running for, for some time, and you don't have those interruptions that you don't know where is in, in, your, in your builds. So any last words regarding uh, Docker and building in local and CI, CD?
2: Keep your image lean. Like yeah. Yeah. small images are much easier to deal with.
1: Yeah, have to and stay secure.
0: Ultimate, stay secure. Yeah, that's the key here. That should be okay. the motto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a good one. Okay, but with, with those words, I would say uh, thank you for listening and uh, hope you tune in soon again. Uh, goodbye. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
1: You have been listened to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias André and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.